Why open an EdTech podcast with chants from DACA protesters? Because we are diving into some deep philosophical questions today as we look at the role EdTech plays in our social and political sphere. I hope you're ready, listeners. My name is Jenny Abamu, and I'm your co-host for the EdSurge On Air podcast. Silicon Valley tech giants have made their stances clear on a number of political and social issues this year. Microsoft President Brad Smith went so far as to offer to pay legal fees for any employee who faces deportation after President Trump announced the end to the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, better known as DACA. Teacher unions have also made their stances clear, condemning white nationalists in Charlottesville and the decision to end DACA. However, leaders in the education technology space seem to be treading a bit more lightly as they begin to address new social and political issues affecting their constituents. We were curious about the role EdTech leaders play in such a tense political environment, so we reached out to some. To have this discussion, we reached out to EdTech leaders who recently signed an open letter to President Trump denouncing the decision to end DACA. Jeffrey Collins, the Vice President of Communications and Partnerships for After School App, who also happens to be a former U.S. diplomat, and Vibhu Mittal, the CEO of Edmodo, who was also a former Google employee. Both of these gentlemen signed on to this letter, and you'll hear why they made that decision right after this. The EdSurge Fusion Conference is an invitation-only event for school and district leaders from around the country. They'll be coming together in the San Francisco Bay Area from November 1st to the 3rd to talk about personalized learning and school transformation. If this sounds interesting to you, please request an invitation or learn about sponsorship opportunities by going to the following bit.ly link, bit.ly slash edsurgefusion. That's one word. Again, bit.ly slash edsurgefusion. Welcome back, listeners. We're talking today with Jeff Collins of the After School app and Vibhu Mutal of Edmodo, about the role ed tech companies are playing in the political sphere. So, gentlemen, welcome to the Ed Surge on Air podcast. Thank you very much for having both of us. Yeah, same here. So I'm going to start off by asking you both about an open letter you both signed. This was a letter that many tech leaders signed directly after the DACA decision was announced. The letter said that you all stand with Dreamers, that they're vital to the future of your companies and our economy, And you believe that they're part of why we continue to have a global competitive advantage. You both signed the pledge. So I wanted to know why you both chose to sign and what ways DACA affects your work or your constituents. Anyone can start. I'll I'll jump in. This is Jeff. Um, Again, thanks. That's a great question. So for our company after school, uh, we think DACA is really representative of our values as both individuals in a company. And some of those core values are openness, inclusion, compassion is very important to us, and then hard work and talent. So our company is small. We're about 15 to 20 uh, employees, um, and uh, we're a Series A startup. We're made up of a number of immigrants, pretty diverse group of people, including political refugees, Uh, And these are talented people who I would say are optimistic about building a better future. So when it comes to DACA, uh, we think that rescinding it would have a huge 
human impact and economic impact. So I think most people know the human impact. There's about 800,000 dreamers. These are young people who grew up in the country, attended schools here, work here, study here. They're really part of our national fabric and we shouldn't turn our backs on them. So we believe strongly in that human dimension. Uh, and we also look at the economic costs. So uh, dreamers make up a large contribution to the economy. I was just looking at a very interesting um, analysis of this that said uh, there could be there would be at least two hundred billion lost to the government, the federal government, and um, eighty four point two billion to California over ten years. And that was interesting because it was done by a couple guys affiliated with the Cato Institute who have long Republican affiliations. Ike Brannon and Logan Albright. So there's a huge economic impact. And all of that affects our company. The economic losses have ripples throughout the economy that could hurt investment. And the human cost takes a toll on our employees. They respect our stance. They expect us to speak up for it. And rescinding DACA to to them, especially the immigrants, is like a punch in the face. Mm. And the boo? Uh, so, you know, I, uh, just to follow up on Jeff's comments, uh, we are a pretty mission-oriented company, and uh, our company mission is to help all users, particularly the students and teachers, uh, reach their full potential. And so we tend to be pretty agnostic about borders and politics, and the only uh, previous initiatives that we've actually signed on to public letters have been all about safety, security, and privacy. But DACA was important to us because it directly impacted our core constituents. And those are all the students, you know, hundreds of thousands of students who should really be at that point not worrying about what their future is going to be, but should be focused on things that they would do on a normal, happy working day. And a happy working day for them is going to school. And the problem with some of these decisions like DACA isn't just about the individuals that are actually directly impacted by DACA, it also affects all the people that they are around with. So I know people who were incredibly traumatized because they knew somebody who was going to be impacted by DACA. So it isn't even as though we are just looking at the 800,000 or the whatever number people would tend to identify as being students who are going to be directly impacted by the ruling. We are also looking at all the other people who are going to be really concerned about how uh, their friend circle, their classrooms, their teachers and students are going to be as well. And so we believe very strongly that anything that impacts our community of teachers and students is something that we want to have at least an input on. And we have an opinion on most things. As an educational platform, we believe that having an informed, opinionated user base is a good thing for us. And so we encourage discussions on the platform. We encourage civic uh, conversations about all kinds of things. And DACA to us was a great example of something that I think we should have gotten all of the other people involved in the conversation as well, not just a small number of people uh, who may have had one particular perspective on it. So uh, in general, I think our guiding principle is that if it impacts Anything to do with educational outcomes, we will participate in the conversation or hope to participate in the conversation. And uh, this one was pretty central to us. I'd like to just briefly support one of the points. I agree with all of that. Um, but the, the points about 
individuals' networks really resonated with me because I mentioned we have a number of immigrants and political refugees on our staff. None of them are technically dreamers, but this is this issue and DACA is incredibly important to them. And one of the reasons is um, what Bibu mentioned, which is they have friends, family members, um, people they've known for a long time who are directly impacted. Um, and could be deported. And so it, it does take an emotional toll, which again has ripple effects at our company and beyond. So I hear you both saying that economic impact mattered and also, of course, the impact of the social and emotional well-being of staff and also constituents that are using your product. Those are two things that you kind of mentioned that you would use to evaluate um, whether to make a statement about DACA. Moving forward, I'm sure that DACA won't be the end of the discussion, considering what's happened in Charlottesville and other uh, discussions that people have felt the need to jump into. How are leaders in the EdTech or even just the tech community in general assessing what issues they are going to respond to and what responses they're going to give? So I like jump. I'll lead off on this just because I think it uh, follows on from my previous answer. Um, as I said, our entire focus on our platform is not as much about content as it is about fostering collaboration, communication, and open discourse. And so in general, uh, we see teachers and students have discussions on thousands of topics on our platform every day. And in fact, we should be seeing this discussion. So anything that occurs uh, in the government, anything that occurs at the community level is something that we would like to see our students have an opinion or a viewpoint on. We'd also like to see multiple viewpoints uh, expressed and discussed in a polite and civic sense because we think that being able to see somebody else's viewpoint is an important one. It's only when we start seeing things where we feel uh, all viewpoints are not being represented or decisions are being reached before these discussions are complete that we try and participate. So we often feel, for instance, that privacy is an issue that people often don't necessarily understand completely before uh, some laws are passed. DACA was an example where we felt that students and teachers' viewpoints had, I had, I at least didn't see any view, you know, legislator talk about how they had talked to a number of students, they had talked to parents and teachers, they had talked to school administrators and so on. And so we felt that it was important to participate at that point. In a similar way, if there are other decisions that come down the pike, uh, we will probably see most of them mirrored on our platform, you know, in parallel with conversations happening outside of the platform. And if they rise to a sufficiently important level where a large fraction of our users are discussing it, then we'll probably try and have some surfacing of that opinion uh, come outside the platform as well. For, for me, this is Jeff. Um, for me, that's a, a issue I think about every day because I come from a long policy and corporate social responsibility background, and I would love to be involved and have our company involved in in many many issues. But as a small startup, resources are limited, so we really have to choose the external policy issues we work on in a strategic way. So after school is a social network for teens and in particular high school students where they can share and, and communicate. Um, so because of that, we, um, 
do a lot of work around issues that relate to what we do and to teens. So these are things like online safety, digital citizenship, civic awareness for young people, um, education, and of course, privacy issues. But um, we go beyond that, and this goes back to our values. Um, we, we have strong core company values that include things like inclusion and diversity, and we look at those to help decide what issues we will get involved in. And on an issue like immigration, where we've supported forward.us for quite a while, um, it's, it's really something that's natural for us to do because we do put so much emphasis on diversity and hiring people based not on the country where they're from, but on their um, talent, their own personal values, and um, other human factors. So, uh, so, so DACA and immigration really make sense for us. Um, and, and that's how we, that's how we think about that issue. Um, but, but I would say that I, I don't think we're unique because you have seen Silicon Valley and tech companies in general really get behind this issue. And I think that goes back to something said that was said earlier, which is writ large, I would say tech has a global mentality that, um, and this is ed tech and beyond, that doesn't necessarily think of things in terms of borders, but thinks about things in terms of what is possible and how can we do things um, by including more people instead of excluding people. You bring up an interesting point, Jeff, talking about how tech is always thinking beyond the borders. It's always how many users can you get, wherever you can get them. You've got these massive Facebooks that seem to be limitless. And because of that global mindset, they don't, they've done a lot of things that other companies have not been able to do. But I've heard a few people push back on this, and they say technology, one place you cannot go is politics. Technology and politics should not be mixed. What's your opinion on that? I know both of you gentlemen have gotten your feet wet on this a little bit, but you've also treaded a bit lightly, as you've mentioned. Well, I may come at this from a unique perspective because I have not spent the bulk of my career in tech. I worked in energy doing corporate social responsibility at Chevron. I work for the State Department. So I've worked in the private, public, and social sectors, you could say. I co-run a tech policy NGO called Forum 280. Um, So I look at this as every company has a responsibility to a social responsibility to society. And, you know, modern CSR um, dictates that companies should um, incorporate uh, social responsibility into their business model. And so I think it makes business sense and moral sense for every company, tech or not tech, to be involved in um, helping run their business in a way that's sustainable and that helps make society better. And you can't do that without being somewhat involved in policy and political debates. I like Jeff's you know, uh, description of it. And I'll just add my uh, two cents to this. I think technology in some ways is inherently just a tool. Uh, it's a powerful tool and it actually often acts as an amplifier because you can now spread ideas uh, more widely and more cheaply than it has ever been possible. And so as a result, technology often uh, ends up being used more as a tool by 
both sides in order to try and foster either a discussion or potentially adoption of certain trends and ideas. Uh, examples are things where technology seems political or gets involved in political discussions uh, include things like patents, uh, the recent discussion around net neutrality, uh, sometimes access or lack of access to information. And these can all be used in political ways. But technology companies try and usually stay out of politics until they think that political decisions will actually impact their business. And, uh, you know, just to give you an example, sometimes uh, decisions will often be made that will seem political, but I don't think are political. Mm -hmm. So I was at Google for many years and, you know, Google's withdrawal of their uh, business uh, practices in China was sometimes uh, written up as though it was a political discussion or a political decision. But to a large extent, I would say internally, at least, it was always viewed as a way to protect user identities and user accounts. It wasn't because Google disagreed with the Chinese government. It was because they felt that they could keep better control over what the users were doing on the platform if they didn't have servers in China. Hmm. Now, the big question, I think, is, you know, does politics impact innovation, given the technology companies often have a faster innovation cycle? And so I think there is an interesting question to be had there, which is, does it either encourage or uh, suppress uh, certain things that technology companies might work in based on how they think their technology or the innovations might actually be perceived? And so I think that's an interesting area for us to potentially think about, especially if we have uh, more time. But I would say technology is inherently, you know, apolitical, it's just a tool but as like any other tool can be used uh, in a variety of different ways. And sometimes, uh, you know, it will appear as though we are beginning to uh, use it in ways that are, you know, very political. And my final question for you both, I'm really curious. Have you heard feedback from your constituents about your responses on DACA or even lack of responses on other issues? And do you have examples of how your responses are affecting your constituents or stakeholders? Uh, I'll I'll start on this one. I think I think about this first with respect to our own employees, and I would say as we've gotten involved in issues like this, and particularly this issue, there was some uh, surprise by employees, but round support for the company getting involved. And I say surprise because a number of these young people who are in their 20s and have worked at a number of startups, they don't necessarily see smaller companies getting involved in these issues. And so they were very heartened that our founders were interested in taking a stance that on something that we all believe in, the founders believe in, but they didn't just talk the talk, you know, they would walk the walk and get involved. So our employees have really appreciated it. And um, then outside the employees, we're in a fortunate position because we have a number of investors who are, are quite hands-off when it comes to how we develop our product and what we do. And also in areas like this, um, they understand that we have strong core values and they're going to support us or take a hands-off approach in what we do. It's particularly easy in this case because as we touched on, um, the tech community, uh, as a large, a large majority of it is quite supportive of the forward.us um, initiatives on immigration. 
And, and then last, I would just say, I, I think of our stakeholders, I, I think of um, teens because they're our users. And uh, l- largely, um, the younger community, this is like essentially Generation Z, the people in high school now, they are in general more open-minded when it comes to things like diversity. Um, and they have just grown up with technology and they've grown up in a more diverse society. And they're not necessarily overtly politically active, although we do try to raise civic awareness around elections and other issues. Um, But I think on an issue like this, we would have a a large majority of teens um, supportive of a policy on, on helping dreamers. So uh, on our end, uh, you know, we did get a number of uh, messages from people who were both, I think, uh, happy that we had taken a stance on DACA, as well as some people who questioned whether we should have been public about our stance on DACA. But as a pure education company, I would have been surprised if we didn't have a number of people asking the questions on both sides not necessarily because they disagreed with what we had done, but just because they wanted to actually have an open discussion about how these decisions are actually reached. And uh, so in a way, I mean, as Jeff said, uh, I think uh, we cater to a population that is inherently much more open to questioning everything. Uh, It's an ethos that classrooms tend to cultivate. Uh, People often engage in, uh, you know, these debates that are essentially in some ways uh, you take a stance not necessarily because uh, that's the stance you totally believe in but because the stance you want to explore further and you want to have somebody be able to poke holes uh, at uh, your viewpoint and so we've actually internally had many many discussions about uh, these things as a company we've often as i said uh, been much more uh, careful in terms of what we take a public stance on but we support our users and by users, we really mean teachers and students, 100%. And we believe that being able to foster this kind of a question-answer ethos is important for us. It's actually, in some ways, the quintessence of what education should stand for. So I, I was actually not surprised by the reactions we had. And I would have, in fact, been disappointed if we had only a one-sided perspective on this. Uh, we had people you know, across the world participate in this when I would say most of the world really wasn't impacted by DACA. Uh, about half our users, a little more than half our users are actually outside the U.S. But uh, I, I thought we had a robust debate. It actually got people thinking much more about connecting with other communities in order to be able to try and find out how uh, these things were being impacted and uh, what they might do. Uh, in the future to try and either help support such policies or, you know, work against these policies. And I think I look forward to what, uh, you know, the citizenry in 10 or 15 years will be like because they'll have grown up in an environment where they're just not just reading this news in the newspaper, but they're actually talking about it with, you know, hundreds and sometimes thousands of other participants around the world about uh, these sort of discussions. Wow, it was fascinating to hear the process that you both have gone through to get to this point. Even EdSurge as a publication, we've had to sit down with the the editorial team and have conversations about what we need to cover and what we're not going to cover. And these are difficult decisions. 
So I'm glad that both you and Jeff were able to share your thoughts on what you're covering in the edtech space and what strategies you're using within your own spaces to deal with these issues. Before we end, are there any last thoughts you'd like to add, closing ideas or things that people should keep in mind? I'll just go for a five-second thing, Jeff. I'll let you have the last line. Uh, I, I look forward to, uh, in a somewhat perverse way, uh, decisions such as DACA coming down the line, if for no other reason than to rouse people to having vibrant, engaged discussions, be much more engaged and not just be passive you know, consumers of uh, decisions and uh, information that comes down through the normal media channels but believe that they have a role in how these things turn out. They have a voice in terms of how their decision makers in Washington, D.C. or at the state level or at the school district level make decisions. And I would like nothing more than every kid and every teacher uh, believe that uh, you know their voice makes a difference. It's interesting because we didn't have any prior discussion or coordination, but I had a very similar thought. I think that these issues and this, these issues around immigration, um, if we extend out from DACA, are not going away. The DACA legislative issue will you know, be resolved in the coming year or so, but issues around um, education and immigration and technology are going to continue. And the most important thing we can do is teach young people starting at a very young age, I'm talking about elementary school on, to think about issues in a critical way and to have discussions and to take an interest in their community um, and, and in civic society in general, because really, you know, we're middle-aged and getting older and they're the people who are going to make these decisions. So Whenever I talk with young people about what I would say are like gray areas around online safety or technology um, in society, I always tell them like, look, you need to think about this because you guys are the ones that are going to deal with it. And um, on that front, maybe close on an optimistic note, I would say that there is a lot of reason to be optimistic um, for all the criticism we hear about um, young people and um, um and, and ed, the education system, uh, I think we do see a lot of bright, shining stars in the, uh, the passion and the abilities of young people in our country and people coming to this country. So, so I, I try to look at things as a glass half full and uh, hope that the younger generations will help tackle these complex, nuanced issues in a, in a, a positive way. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you both for joining us today for the Ed Surge On Air podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. And I want to thank you listeners for joining us for the Ed Surge On Air podcast. That was Vipu Matal from Edmodo and Jeffrey Collins from After School App. They were discussing with us why EdTech executives choose to weigh in on some controversial political issues. And I am your co-host, Jenny Abamu. Thank you for joining. See you next time.